You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that hermano in Spanish meant brother. Live and local on 710. Now Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. after Dr. Clapper. Oh, do you think so, doctor? This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN is the number. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, we've got uh, Pedro Mora coming up in about a half hour talking baseball. Um, whether or not the players and the owners are going to come to some sort of agreement that will not end up with a grievance, uh, that will not end up with players uh, being very upset and baseball potentially being threatened, not just this year, Andy, but next year. So that'll be fun. And that's before we get to the public health stuff that the, uh, that Major League Baseball hasn't figured out yet. So, um, a couple things left on that checklist, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot to figure out in terms of starting sports back up again. Um, you know, the, again, the NBA has seemed like they are very far ahead of the curve in terms of just setting up this bubble format and really trying to create as sealed off an environment as possible, but we all know, realistically speaking, they're going to have issues as well. It's really just about how well are you planning mm-hmm. for these risks that we all know are going to exist. Um, so we'll do that. We'll get to the uh, Small Stars giveaway, uh, the LeBron James figurine uh, later in the hour. Um, but right now, eight seven 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 ten ESPN is the number. I, I, this concept to me of what we're asking athletes to do um, – and the, we do this all the time with labor relations, you know, millionaires arguing with billionaires and all that stuff. Stop arguing. Get out there and play. Who cares if the owners are making a little extra or a little less or the players are making a little bit more or a little bit less? Get out there and play because we want our sports. We've never done it, though, when we've been asking players to take on real health risks, when we've been asking them to take on – um Things that, quite frankly, most of us would not do for our jobs, where we have to quarantine away from our families, potentially. If you're in the NFL, and you know they really have to go into a quarantine bubble for weeks and weeks, months on end, potentially being away from our families. Like, nobody, most people would not accept that, and we are very casual about it, demanding it of our athletes. Well, I think we're starting, I think we are starting to understand this a little bit more, just if for no other reason than as the country is starting to open up more. We're starting to see a rise in positive tests, which doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is fearful of the risks, but I think people are starting to understand that as things open up more, you are going to see people testing positive more. And right. the setup of sports, like football in particular, has this real disadvantage of, Beyond the physical nature of it and the way you are often going to be dealing with skin-to-skin contact, players being as close as possible, breathing on each other, all these different ways that it can be spread, it's the larger rosters. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got these huge rosters that are involved at both the NFL and the college level, and then with larger rosters requires larger staffs to deal with all those rosters. You're just increasing the risks through a pure numbers standpoint, beyond the actual planning that goes into but, staging these games sure. and whatever you are or are not doing to try to keep them as safe as possible. 
I think you may you may be right in terms of people understanding you know you're getting the scale of these things and whatever. But I I don't know as as people start to quote unquote get back to normal or try to push things towards getting back to normal or whatever. Normal means I get to watch sports. Normal means I can sit on the couch and take this stuff in, and that's part of my normal. And I I, I wonder if that is going to outweigh the the understanding of like sort of intellectual understanding of wow there's a lot of covid out there these guys are going to have to put themselves inside of a bubble for my benefit in ways that I'm not doing myself like I'm out there in the world and I'm demanding that they not be out in the world so that I can I don't know if people are going to make that connection or make that side I I hope at the very least people understand and appreciate what it is that they're talking about, but I don't know if fans are going to do that. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you either appreciate what athletes do on a, on a large level. You don't, I mean, because athletes were people before this and there were people that are fans. I should say that didn't always register the human elements of the athletes out there before. I think if you're somebody that has been cognizant of that, you are more likely to be cognizant of those risks being taken and empathetic towards it and maybe even alarmed by it. If you are not somebody that views athletes on that more human level, if you ultimately see them as your source of entertainment or your escape or part of some tradition that is Americana, then you're not likely going to see them that way. I mean, at the end of the day, I think a lot of this is just how were you wired to see athletes from the beginning? The difference is, though, the difference is, though, we always, you know, the, the people who sort of resented the get out there and play kind of thing was always based on athletes being able to do stuff that the rest of us can't um, because they make more money, because they're they're faster, smarter, or, you know, uh, they're richer, all this other stuff. They have access to things that we don't. And now that paradigm is totally going to be reversed. Um, Steve, in I assume somewhere in Los Angeles, you're on with the Kamenetsky brothers. Hey, Andy and Brian. How are you guys? Uh, good. Good. How are you? I'm- I'm actually in Portland, Oregon, uh, Close and uh, first thing I wanted to say is that, uh, as you guys point out, obviously health is paramount and should drive everything. Having said that, however, I thought I'd give you a perspective on, in my opinion, what the commissioner of baseball should have done and should now do, even though the hour is late. Uh, so leaving the health issue to side, baseball is the easiest health-wise. At worst case, you could put the umpire, catcher, and batter in a level three surgical mask, which is not intrusive. The rest of the players are spread out enough not to worry about it, social distance, everything else, test them, and so on. But what the commissioner should have done is gotten 10 really powerful representative players and a small number of representative powerful owners in a room a couple months ago, and he could still do it today, and say, look, the one thing we are not going to do is wash our dirty laundry in public. America is hurting. We may have our squabbles, but we're going to sit here till we resolve this. We'll give you good food, but you're not getting out of this room till we resolve it. Then, well, and, and Steve, but in food. theory, that's what they did in March. Like, no, if you go didn't. back and it, but if you go back to March, the the public talk when, um, when, uh, when, when, when they left these meetings was like, Hey, we've got this nice mutual agreement. We're going to do everything in good faith and all this kind of stuff. And immediately, pretty close after that, they, they all, you know, Tony Clark and Rob Manford are doing, uh, are, are doing everything. But the initial stuff right. after this, yes, you know, right. was, was positive. But the com- 
I know, but the, it, well, it was positive, but they both went talking publicly. The commissioner should have said to them in that first meeting, players, I know it's short time. You put your best offer in writing right now. Owners, you put your best offer in writing. Then he opens both envelopes and he says, you know, what most commissioners would do is split the difference. I'm not doing that. Players, I am asking you for the sake of America, this one partial year, you take half. Owners, I'm, I'm asking you to take half of what you expect your revenue to be. The rest is going to charity. Next year, we will make bundles of money. We're going to lead America out of this. And then the next thing we're going to do, we're going to give every artist in every major league city a free mannequin and ask them to doctor it up, paint it with outdoor colors, clothe it. We're going to turn them into fannikins, and we're going to have a charity. <laughs> I have the honesty. Well, I actually, I'm kind, not kidding. I kind of like the mannequin idea, but the, there, is, there is a 0% chance, and thank you for the call, and I appreciate it. Andy, I mean, tell me if you think I'm wrong here and being unfair to Steve. There's a 0% chance of that working. Zero. It's, like, it's just like the commissioner, the, this, it reminds me of that, remember Dave? The movie Dave with Kevin Klein, where you know he's you faking the being the president, and he yeah. sits down with the Republicans, and he sits down with the day. He's like, "We're not going to leave this room until we work through and create." I think it was a budget that they had to do, and like we're going to give and take, and like democracy is going to work. Damn it! And that's a that's what this, and it, that's not how the world works. That's no, it's, it's particularly. I was going to say it's particularly not how baseball works. Like, you could maybe make that work, the we all sit in a room and nobody leaves until we've hammered this out with the NBA. I'm not saying it's definite, Mm -hmm. but you could maybe make that work. I actually think you'd have better odds of making that work in the NFL than you have with baseball. There is no league that I think is more acrimonious between labor and owner, I mean, uh, between labor and ownership than baseball. And And that says a lot. Because it's really bad between the NFL players and its owners. I think it's still worse in baseball. I agree. And and, and this week it didn't help when essentially Rob Manfred called Tony Clark a liar, said we shook on something, we agreed on something, and he went and he, uh, he torched it. And Rob Manfred called Tony Clark a liar in public, and Tony Clark then turned around and called Rob Manfred a liar in public. These are not constructive things. These are not things that get that negotiations go. But I, I understand what Steve is getting at. But to some degree, too, this you know, for the sake of America, has almost now become think of the children. It's like you know, no, I mean, it's it's like this easy out or whatever, and it's not a real thing. They're arguing over gobs of money and it's real and it's important and and these are things that they're uh they may be short-sighted about it but this notion that they're all just going to kind of get together and and figure out how to sacrifice equally and all that it's it's, it is it's fantasy well and it's, it's also too it's overlooking the fact that these negotiations they're not just about this season they're about next correct. season and they're about having as seinfeld said hand in the next negotiation And if it were just about what's going on now and you were just figuring out that in a vacuum, baseball would still struggle because, again, it is really acrimonious, but at least you would have a simpler task at hand. But this is about issues that go far beyond this season, and that is why there are some wondering whether or not we're even going to see baseball this year at all. 877710 ESPN is the number. Next, though. And that's how you get your small star, by the way. Right. If we think your call is good, if you impress us playing God, you get yourself a small star. 
That's right. We could have given one to Jordan Rodriguez. Her call was really good, but she's not eligible. No. So, uh, there, there, there is a place where trust is very strong. And it's a place that Angelinos will be particularly appreciative of. Uh, we'll do that next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's a Saturday morning happy hour, 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. It was between the brothers, King. This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. Eight seven 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 ten espn is the number uh, giving away a small stars LeBron James figurine um, over the course of the show. Uh, you call up, we obviously a lot of stuff we've been talking about. We're going to have Pedro Mora on, um, in about 15 minutes to talk about the restart potentially of baseball, where that stands and how it might impact the Dodgers. Um, no trust, Andy, right now between the uh, players association and owners in baseball, but lots of trust with the Lakers. And I'll explain why, what I mean. LeBron James, most powerful athlete arguably in the world, but certainly in America. Would you agree? Oh, I, I think there's no question. I don't even know who you would offer up as the, the counterfactual for LeBron. He is without question the most powerful athlete in North American sports, and I think by a really, really wide margin. And so he's been out front, uh, both the let's get back on the floor and play, and also let's take care of uh, racial justice issues, social justice issues. Um, last, it was you know now about 10 days ago, announced that, uh, initiative on, uh, voter registration and, uh, voting issues generally that he's going to be a part of other athletes and entertainers being part of that as well. But this week we learned, you know, there is some disagreement about restarting basketball and how that would work and whether or not, uh, particularly in the wake of the, uh, of the killing of George Floyd, where, where athletes need to keep their, uh, people's eye on the ball. And if you, Get away from that if you start playing games it's a distraction. Two of the bigger voices in the NBA, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, both Lakers, both publicly opposing at least to some level the position of LeBron James, who is on, you know, on their team. And as far as I can tell, there's been no controversy. There's been no uh, ripple effect on the team. It hasn't impacted their unity. Um, like none of that has come out. I think that's a spectacularly good sign for what this team can be. And like, the, you know, when we talk about that chemistry, how real it is, because this is, well, a, I mean, this it, is big deal stuff. It, it's something though, that we heard all season. I remember hearing Dwight talk about this. I remember JaVale McGee, Alex Caruso, how LeBron is obviously the most powerful player on that team. And when push comes to shove, his voice matters the most as well. It should. But LeBron has empowered everybody on that team to have a voice, to speak up, to have a seat at the table, even if, you know, even if all seats are not created equally. And again, they can't be because at the end of the day, somebody has to be the leader in the same way that, you know, a decade ago, Kobe was without question the most important voice on that team, again, as he should have been. But we've seen this year that players on the team have had the ability to speak up. They've had the ability at times to push LeBron. We, we've seen Anthony Davis openly talk about how he was going to push LeBron defensively and call him out if we needed to. Um, we saw DeMarcus Cousins 
who, you know, he's had a decorated career when he was playing, but DeMarcus Cousins has not been a full-time player for a few years and did not play a single minute for the Lakers this year. There was a game where at halftime, DeMarcus went up to LeBron, who had a really bad first half, and said in so many words, pull your head out, man. Like, get it together. And because that has been the ethos that I've I've always heard this is the ethos, you know, publicly, I've heard this privately. That's where different guys like Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard will feel empowered enough to let their voices, you know, be heard, to let their concerns be heard without worrying about either retribution or just the appearance of a split. They feel confident with that. And I think that's ultimately a credit to LeBron. When, like, you and I don't always agree on the importance of team chemistry. Like, I'm, I'm a person who absolutely believes that, you know, talent ultimately winning and losing is, is a big thing. And if your team is winning, particularly, you don't always need to get along. You need to be able to have chemistry in what, in the context of the game you're playing. But like, we learned during the Shaq Kobe era, like, you don't necessarily have to be best friends for things to work out really well in terms of wins and losses. This year, I think, is an exception. If you're going to go into this this bubble where you're going to be separated from your family, where you're really going to be discouraged from interacting with anybody who's not on your own team, and this could last months, you better get along with people on your team. You better be able to take issues that pop up and be able to air them and get past them. You better be able to work together as a group mentally away from the game or it's all going to fall apart because three and a half, this is like a, like a big brother real world episode or something. You will get sick of each other Oh, and that will be a problem. Oh yeah. I mean like this, this is where it's really good that you've had a team that by all accounts. And I mean, and you and I have covered a lot of teams you know, in a lot of different sports, we've seen really good locker rooms. We've seen some of the worst locker rooms you can possibly imagine. I'm looking at you, 2007 Dodgers. Oh, this my is a, God. They, I mean, that was... That was really bad. Yeah, really it was bad. toxic, cancerous. Any, any description that you would throw out there for the worst relationships between players, that was the 2007 Dodgers. This group is one of the most harmonious teams I've ever covered and one of one of the most enthusiastic teams I've ever seen when it comes to wanting to be around each other and I think they've yes. really relished being around each other this whole year and you're going to need that. I also think too Brian it's it's noteworthy and again 877-710-ESPN if you want to weigh in on this stuff and if you have a good enough call you get your LeBron James small star Avery Bradley's been, I think, the most, one of the most vocal, but also one of the most just coherent and, you know, really, really well thought voices in terms of what the player coalition, players coalition wants. And in Mm -hmm. terms of representing players that want to feel like their voices are being heard in terms of these issues of police brutality and systemic racism socioeconomic uh, inequities and the and the Lakers you could see are listening if nothing else in hiring uh, Thursday Dr. Karita Brown as their director of racial equity and action and this is a new position that was created to bring her in just from conversations that 
Tim Harris um, had had with Dr. Brown just in trying to figure out, okay, what do we as an organization do to get better? What are the things that we are missing? How are the ways that we can support the players, support our community? L.A. is one of the most diverse cities in this country, and it led to her getting a formal job. Now, does that solve everything? No, of course not. Does it mean that the Lakers truly hear the things that they're listening to? No. We'll see evidence of that moving forward about whether or not this was performative or whether it really leads to something. But it it is evidence of listening. And that's something that I think guys like Avery Bradley will ultimately appreciate because i mean guys want well, to know they're being heard yeah I, but i think what what bradley is is we're, we're we're really early in this process and right now a lot of what we have available to us are symbols uh, uh make uh, elevating juneteenth to a place that you know rightly it deserves to be but also wasn't before doesn't change things but it's a it's a symbol it's a statement of values and it right now it's sort of what we have available to us as a society there are you know you can start things like this which hopefully lead to better hiring practices and all these other things, but they'll take time. What Avery Bradley, I think, is looking for is other concrete concessions like this from the league, um, statements of uh, commitments to give it, whether it's giving money, whether it's uh, hiring practices, whatever it will be, um, before they get to before they get to saying, yeah, we'll go play. And I think that's a great strategy. Um, but the, just like I said, the, the, you know, LeBron is on Twitter right now talking about the, uh, what's happening in Kentucky in terms of, of, uh, the amount of polling places that are going to be open for their primary on Tuesday. Like he is very active in this, uh, in this space of, of voting rights. And, um, it, it is a great sign that the Lakers are in a place where people can have disagreements about how to go forward without threatening, um, it, without threatening the team says a lot about LeBron's leadership and the leadership of players like Avery Bradley, who aren't the same stature um, on the floor, but clearly aren't afraid or intimidated about using their voice. So I, I, it's just, it's really cool to see. Um, Pedro Mora is going to explain to us whether or not baseball is coming back. Um, we'll do that next. We'll also take more of your calls, 877-710-ESPN. You can talk about the return of sports. You can talk about the return of the Lakers and what this stuff means to you. We'll do all of that stuff next and coming up before 11 o'clock, 877-710-ESPN. Kamenetsky Brothers, Saturday morning happy hour, 7 ESPN. This is the Saturday morning happy hour on 710 ESPN. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. With the Cam Bros. All right, Andy. So, uh, baseball is trying in theory to kind of sort of come to an agreement and it's not going well. Brian Kimenetsky, Andy Kimenetsky, Saturday morning happy hour here on 710 ESPN. Happy now to welcome Pedro Mora from The Athletic, covers the Dodgers and Major League Baseball, uh, for The Athletic and Pedro. Uh, what is the latest on this fantastic relationship between the PA and uh, owners? Hi, guys. Uh, they're just arguing <laughs> a lot, I guess you could say. Uh, arguing, um, quibbling over relative pennies compared to their, you know, massive riches that the owners have amassed over their, over their careers in capitalism. So it's not, uh, it's, it's not a promising thing. You know, it may not, preclude a season from happening this year but it's really an ominous 
period for baseball because you have to remember that in uh, in 15, 16 months, these sides are going to be negotiating another CBA, which is, you know, widely believed at this point to going to lead to a, uh, a strike or a lockout at least. So it's, um, it's just, it's just a dark time in the sport. And, and the real truth of it is that no matter how much they disagree or if they can finally come into agreement, you know, the, the, what, what ultimately might be their undoing this season is not their disagreement, but the, you know, the global pandemic and particularly the pandemic outbreak in this country at this time. So it's a, it's a, it's an odd, it's an odd time. There's been a perception and, and a narrative, Pedro, that baseball itself, the owners, isn't necessarily that anxious to return in the first place. Like it's not that some owners would prefer to not have this season. A, how accurate do you think that is? And B, is it more mutual, you think, than people may realize in terms of players being reluctant? I think um, I think it is, it, you know, it, it, I, I can't tell you any names, but I've certainly heard that there are owners who um, who would not, who do not want baseball back. And it makes sense when you think about this, right? So owners, you know, baseball teams, their profit margins for this season depend on their television deals. So think about the owners that have poor television deals, and think about those owners who might have large payrolls too, and then consider that you know those guys might really be might might really be losing in all of this. So that could that could be the end of it. As far as players, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think you know from talking to a few players, you know, we had Ross Stripling at the Athletic on one of our podcasts, the Dodgers, and he said he was not concerned at all. He said he said he was had zero percent concern about taking the field at any point during the pandemic because he knew as a young person his chances were lower. You know, I, whether that's representative of all players, I don't know. But in in my years dealing with these fellas, they're they're confident people, and uh, you know, they may not be, you know, they may not have the same level of concern that I personally would have. You know, if you understand what I'm saying. So it's, I don't know. It's a good question. We you know we can't group everyone. You know, even all 30 owners or, or all thousand plus players together. But I think it's fair to say that there there certainly will be players who back out of of the season if there is a season there I, I expect that to happen fully and that's going to be really interesting to see if that changes the calculus about which teams are you know are favored to win right, right. let's say if the stars back out that's going to be a compelling thing um and it's it but i don't know fundamentally i don't know that baseball is going to be the distraction that people are hoping for when there's just going to be so much of the pandemic on the that's influencing things and we're talking to pedro mora from the athletic um have they even gotten to the potential uh, structures that would have to be built around? Like in the, in the same way, the NBA released that hundred plus page guide to Orlando, so to speak. Like, has are they just arguing about money at this point, or have they gotten to some health questions? So, just this week, uh, baseball reopened that that possibility with the union. Um, who dismissed the possibility, I believe, in April when it was first discussed in the form of the Arizona plan, which was widely read um, as unrealistic. And Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw said there were no, there was no way they were participating in it. So I think it's going to be really hard for them to implement a bubble by the time they want to start the season, which is July 19th. I mean, the idea that you could come up with, you know, a, um, a functioning bubble. I mean, the NBA, you know, it, it's more stuff 
seems to be coming out daily, and it's still, you know, a lot of people are still skeptical about how, how well it'll work. And I think it's fair to say that they put in a lot more time than Major League Baseball would if, if the bubble would have to be implemented in the next four weeks. I mean, we're, we're talking about just this, you know, just last night, uh, every team had to close their spring training facility because of fears after an outbreak at, uh, at three teams, at, or an outbreak at least one and, and positive cases at, uh, at a couple more teams' training facilities. So it's a it's a it's a fluid ongoing thing, and I, maybe a bubble is the best thing, and maybe experts will agree. But it's going to take some time to implement that correctly. Uh, talking with Pedro Mora covers the Dodgers and all things baseball for the Athletic. Uh, last question for you, Pedro. Baseball the the players right now are sitting on two options: either accepting the sixty game offer uh, from baseball, the extended expanded playoffs or rejecting it and forcing Rob Manfred to implement a schedule and keeping uh, open the right to issue a grievance. What do you think is going to ultimately end up happening? I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they just let Manfred impose the season, because my understanding is that if they, if they accept the 60 games that, ha- that makes them agree to, to further postseason play. Um, and it, it, it may set the, a precedent to them that they're not happy with it. They, you know, they're not, the union is is really conscious of not giving in to uh, to to Manfred and Co. because they feel that in the last CBA that's exactly what they did and screwed them this time around. So I think rather than agree to something that they feel like is raw to, a raw deal to them, I think they they might just force the commissioner to to have those optics of imposing a season once again and imposing a shorter season than the sixty games he you know the, the Major League Baseball has already agreed to because that's going to make in their estimation baseball look bad. Oh God! Well, this. Well, we certainly wouldn't want that. Yeah. No. They've looked great so far, so I I can see why they're concerned about uh, that turn of image. (laughs) It's it's all looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had better news for you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you this this must be a great time for you going around spreading cheer everywhere you appear. Yeah. Nothing but. But hear you guys' voices. Yeah. Yeah. Yours as well, man. (laughs) Thank you, Pedro. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Cheers. Pedro the Grim Reaper Mora from The Athletic. But it's not his fault. I mean, everybody who covers baseball, Andy, is in this same boat. Um, 877-710-ESPN is the number. You know, I, I, I want to know what people think about, you know, baseball, like how, how, how upset they might be, who they would be upset at. And then, you know, you can compare this to what's going on with the Lakers. We'll take all of those calls when we come back and we'll give away uh, that small stars figurine of LeBron James for any caller that impresses us enough. We'll do all of that next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Happy Hour with the Cam Brothers. Unfortunately, he discovered too late that hermano in Spanish meant brother. Live and local on 710. Now Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 a.m. after Dr. Clapper. Oh, do you think so, doctor? This is the Saturday Morning Happy Hour on 710 ESPN. Eight seven 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 ten ESPN is the number. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's Saturday morning happy hour. We are giving away a small stars figurine of LeBron James uh, before the end of the show. Um, really, we've covered a lot of stuff today, Andy. We talked about uh, the pandemic. How confident are you that sports are, are going to return? Like, are, are you at all concerned about what we're a- asking athletes to do? Are you confident that the Lakers? are even in a stronger place now than they were before 
uh, as they go into this tournament. Um, to, to are you concerned that? Home? Are you concerned that Kyle Kuzma was at a record release party while wearing a hazmat suit and a mask? And was wearing a mask. It's important yeah. to note. Probably more important than the hazmat suit because I'm not sure that was a real, uh, like, like up to code yeah. kind of thing. It, it's um, also, it feels equally important to note that at least in the photos that we saw, his girlfriend that he was with, uh, at the party, not wearing a mask, but Kyle Kuzma, to his credit, was wearing, wearing his mask at this party that you might say to his discredit. Right. That he was there. Um, so all of the, all of those things, eight seven 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 ten ESPN, are things that you uh, can call in and talk about and potentially win yourself a small stars figurine of LeBron James. Now, right now on the line, Andy, we have Giovanni from LA. Uh, now, Giovanni, welcome to the show. You're on with the Kamenetsky brothers on the Saturday morning happy hour. Hello, gentlemen. How you doing? I'm good. good. Man. How, more importantly, how are you? I, I'm one of the lucky ones. I am blessed, so I have nothing to complain about. Thank you for All right, that. You're off, to, you're off to a good start. Now, Giovanni, in front of you, this is – are you a hockey fan, Giovanni? Because what we have right now in front of you, the, the other team has pulled the goalie. It's an empty net. You're on a breakaway. All you got to do is put the puck in the net, okay? <laughs> I understand, there's, yes. There's nobody – there's no defense in front of you. There's no goaltender. What's on your mind, Giovanni? <laughs> well, I should win this one then. Um, well, I've been you listening should. to your You should. You should, but I'm just I saying. Should. We'll see if I shank it. Um, I've been listening to your question about baseball in particular, but sports in general, right? And let me, I'll just, a brief preface. I'm a Lakers season ticket holder. I'm a Rams season ticket holder. I'm born and raised in LA. Grew up watching basketball on channel nine on a black and white tv so i probably just aged myself a little bit huge magic johnson fan love it love it love it to death bleed purple and gold i say that only to say we can't bring sports back right now interesting why is that why is that because the only reason that the issues that are going on right now are getting the attention they're getting is because of the void that this pandemic has created and I'm afraid that if we try to go back to normal, it's going to get drowned out. Yeah, this and is I the understand. argument, Giovanni. Yeah, this is the argument that Dwight Howard is making, that Lou Williams yeah. is making, and other yeah. people are making. So you, that's that's the that's the side that you're coming down on. And it's difficult, believe me. I miss my sports. I hate the Celtics. I want the 17 championship, but it's worth it. Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, if it makes you feel a little bit better, uh, Giovanni, and I understand where people like Dwight Howard or in particular Lou Williams, the way he's been talking about it uh, very publicly of late, I understand where they're coming from. And I'm not going to say they're wrong because I don't know if there really is a wrong take on this uh, situation. But I ultimately feel like the players have more of an opportunity. You know, these players that have been at the forefront of this, a lot of them have been to protests. A lot of them are really using their platform, using their voices to raise awareness of these issues, I feel like you actually have more of an opportunity doing that in Orlando with so many people watching because the reality is we have no idea if we're going to be able to stay this collectively focused as a nation on this through the end of this month, much less the end of July, much less, Giovanni, 
the end of Oct- or mid-October, which is right. how long the playoffs will be going. So mm-hmm. at some point, the world may stop collectively focusing on this the same way anyway. So having basketball, to me, gives you this platform where you can set a lot of the terms and you can very proactively, in a way that you have control, say, I'm not going to let you stop thinking about it. I'm not going to let you stop talking about it, especially at a time where we're starting to see the country open up more. Whether you think it's a good idea or not, it's happening. So with that opening up more, I think in some ways the focus is going to be diluted anyway because we're going to be multitasking more. So I think the players actually put themselves in a position where they have more control over the conversation while playing. It's a good point, and I think what would have to take place is that all the leagues, basketball, baseball, football, would really have to make it the focus of reopening because we saw how football treated Colin Kaepernick. We mm-hmm. saw what the kneeling did. It, it only made the divide even worse. Owners got on one side. They went, I mean, they basically back, blackballed him from the league. So can the NFL actually support players that say, no, this is why we're protesting. This is why we're kneeling. Can baseball, you guys were saying how acrimonious their relationship is. Can those tone-deaf millionaires put their egos aside for a minute and say, wait, this is what the public is actually saying right now, and maybe we need to listen? Hey, hey Giovanni, let me ask you this, because you, you, you talk about being a baseball fan and a Dodger fan. Um, really, it's, it's baseball where the, where the pressure is going to be most interesting to feel, because basketball, you have active players who use their voices and have been doing it for a while now. You have LeBron James out in front. You have, you know, other very socially conscious and socially active athletes. The NFL, we just saw this very public thing from Roger Goodell where he went and he, he agreed with all of this stuff that these players were saying and NFL players using their voices in ways that they haven't right. before. Baseball has like nine black, like black players. Like there aren't very many. It's really onus is on the white players and the white fans and the white owners to keep that, uh, that, um, that, that focus. Most of the black players, um, in baseball aren't African American. They're from, you know, Latin America. They're from, you know, they're, they're from other places. And and not to say that these issues don't affect them, but they affect them differently than they might. They're a different voice. Um, you know, all kinds of things. How confident, how, when you look at baseball, how confident are you baseball can kind of do its part? Hmm. That's, that's a good one. I mean, you guys talked about the owners not wanting to, potentially not wanting to come back and working on their television deals. Um, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a good, a, a good question. But, you know, these issues of police brutality, the focus is absolutely right to be on the African-American community. But, you know, just recently, Sean Mon- Monterosa and Alejo was shot and killed on his knee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this impacts the Latino community almost as much. And we have our own history with colorism within the Latino community. You mentioned those um, Latinos of African descent that come from the Caribbean or come from other countries, like even Cuba. You know, so that issue impacts them. I don't think baseball... I don't think they're listening. I don't. I don't know if they're listening. Isn't it odd that NASCAR is actually leading baseball when it comes to being proactive and doing something? <laughs> wow! <laughs> when you're behind NASCAR, <laughs> I think that says a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, but it's a great point. It'll be interesting. Now NASCAR is, is in competition and baseball mm-hmm. isn't yet. So that might have something to do with it, but you're right. Like it's gonna be really interesting to see what the message is and then how that message is tailored in ways that reflect um not just the the question of Black Lives Matter in, in America, but also the population of players inside the league. Um Giovanni, I have excellent news for you. <laughs> Did I make it in the goal with no goalie? <laughs> Dude, no good. But I'll be honest with you. We could have put a couple defenders in there. We could have put Jonathan Quick in there. We could have done some stuff. You were legit. And because of it, you've earned yourself a LeBron James Small Stars. Smallstars.com is where you can go to check out all these figurines. We'll be doing this a couple more times uh-huh. over the next couple of weeks. But it's really, it's a really cool figurine. You were an excellent cool. caller. And you, Thank you, my friend, are a winner. Stay on the line. So stay on stay the on line. line. We're about to get all that bit. information for you. Yeah. Thank you. Congrats, guys. man. Keep it up. Appreciate and it. It might take, it might take a minute or two because we're going to wrap up the show too. And Rebecca's the only person there. So she's multitasking. Just don't go anywhere. Um, That's- you know, Andy, it's, it's, a, and thanks Giovanni and thanks to smallstars.com. It's a really interesting, like that point. I hadn't thought about it in quite that stark of terms, like NASCAR, which has one black driver and not that many black fans has made sort of a stronger move in terms of showing what they mean than what, at least that I can think of, what we've seen for baseball. I'm sure the labor stuff has something to do with it, but it, it is setting a bar for baseball. Yeah, I mean, obviously baseball at least deserves the opportunity to show what it will do when it for actually sure, at least hopefully resumes. But that's that's why... Clayton Kershaw, for example, putting out Mm -hmm. the Twitter post that he had about the importance of Juneteenth and, you know, why this matters historically. As you were saying before, the onus on, if you want to call it an onus, or at least just the necessity of white players speaking up in baseball is there. And, you know, that's why, again, Kershaw using his voice as one of the highest profile players in the sport for one of the highest profile teams in the sport, it matters. The onus is on the white, the quote unquote whiter sports to do it because, you know, they don't have the players that can push them in, in the same way. So, uh, it'll be interesting what, what happens in hockey, what happens in baseball, what happens in, uh, you know, in NASCAR, things like that. Um, we'll be back next week for more Saturday morning happy hour. Of course, Saturday, uh, late night happy hour every night from 10 to 11. Uh, we're the Kamenetsky brothers. It's 710 ESPN.